Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Shot, the filmmaking and photography podcast. I am Ross Grieve. I'm Esther Ling. And I'm Matt Jacobs. And today we are with uh, commercial photographer Emma Drabble. Welcome, Emma. Hello. Hi, Hi Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi. Hi, Esther. Uh, Emma is on the end of a, a piece of string and a cup uh, all the way back in Wales. We're uh, in Norfolk uh, filming. So um, uh, Emma's been involved uh, in uh, a book, uh, Riverside. Is, uh, but tell us a bit more about it, Emma. Yeah, so the book I was involved in, that was last year, um, called River Voices. And that's a project which essentially uh, photographs the lives, 30 lives of people that uh, live and work, um, who are essentially the last of their kind on the River Wye. You, spent, and, uh, you had some really interesting yeah. people in that as well, didn't you? So um, from what, like some from poachers to gamekeepers to the whole shebang, sort of sort of all yeah, tr- traditional sort of jobs. Yeah, really traditional jobs and people that um, essentially just will not be, um, will not be really working. So they are the last of the kind. So their skills won't ever be passed down. So from people that make uh, salmon flies, so the little flies that fish into the river, people that stuff, you know, those comic fish that are on the walls um, to Coaches um, that literally did, did shoot other people and were. I don't think they were allowed to, but they they told the stories of that. Yeah, it's just really interesting. Like you go into somebody's house and you just have to think on your feet to best tell that amazing story that these people tell you. Ah, that that's really cute. So, did you find that those people were quite hard to photograph because being quite traditional and and their values, I guess that um uh, they may not be uh, that welcome to being photographed because sometimes that sort of can be sort of a, a closed group. Yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah, for for a lot of those portraits, you feel that you're having to break into a community and certainly um the short span of river which was basically from i don't know if you know herefordshire but hay on why to uh ross on why essentially that was the the the, the piece of river mm. and people tend to know each other very well historically they know each other very well and literally a piece of news could go from one area of the river down to the other area of of, of um of the river really by bird chat really yeah. because you you if you messed it up with one person you'd mess it up for the whole of them um, so from my perspective, it was to be able to, not just to go in and do a good job as a photographer, but actually to honor those people that, um, that, that were telling the stories. Um, and that's always been my incentive with this is to make sure that those portraits, that they are proud of the portraits mm-hmm. I take and they are surprised to see themselves in the way that I honor their lives in the yeah. way I photograph them. So how, how, how did the, uh, book sort of come about? I mean, how were you approached or was it sort of a concept you came up with or publishers approached you or how did, how, how did it sort of and prefer? Yeah, so um, so um, I was approached by a journalist I've worked with before called Marsha O'Mahony. And um, so, so I've worked with her on uh, press work before. So she already knew my work and she came, got in touch with me and asked if I would work on this project. So essentially, Marsha knows me in a press term of, you know, she, she'll, she knows the job I'm going to do um and she knows my interest value and journalistic value in being able to work independently that in this sort of sort of job there is no way you can just send anybody in 
into it, um, especially somebody who isn't sensitive to um, to how people are. I mean, certainly like that poacher. If you went in, <laughs> if you went in there and were immediately shocked to to literally see the head of every type of animal in oh. front of you or on the wall or animals in cages, any of that sort of stuff. If you're a sensitive person, there is no way mm. that you would cope with that job. At the same time, um, you've got to tell their story, haven't you? Exactly, exactly. And you also you can't be opinionated, and that's what I mean. So you've got to keep your opinions to yourself. Mm. Um, you know, even from so when I went in there, and actually I was itching, to, <laughs> I did say, I was itching to say, you know, is then the only head that's missing on this wall um, is, is, is yours? Is a human head, <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah. And then he went on to basically tell me about, you know, a human that he had shot, and I was like, oh my, oh life. wow, um, really? Oh, he's in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> not in the living room but the bullet went out once into the front of it I mean literally through his through his scalp basically and out, out his ear and the guy survived I mean you know the story and, and that's the thing is you've got to literally just be unfazed and also be wanting to photographically even though you've absorbed that information to somehow tell that portrait of that person mm. in a very in the really the way that you take them rather in a than sympathetic a way but that, I mean mm. that's quite a, that you have to be very um, sensitive in the way you shoot someone like that well excuse the pun but um, how you photograph someone like that because you know if they're sort of saying to you you know obviously I um, I had to protect the land I had to protect the animals and, and that on them and if someone came on them I did stick a bit of lead a bit of lead in their backside so to speak oh you know hello <laughs> That's um, <laughs> a bit of buckshot. <laughs> um, I mean, that's quite a statement for someone to sort of admit to as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It really I mean, is. These people speak very freely of their lives. Um, and know. also because they're such a laughing. You know, because, and that's the thing, is that, that they bring you into their community and they expect you to completely empathise or, or already as if they already know their story, as if you're one of them. Mm. And so you're sort of, as a person, you know, you have to just really kind of throw yourself into it in Be that open. way and accept to become one of them too. Yeah. So when you're talking to, um, to, to a poacher and he's saying to you, well, actually, you know, and I kind of, well, half of you kind of, kind of agrees in the end. He just says, you know, you know, we were in a supermarket culture and, you know, basically people have to, you know, what's wrong with fending for yourself, you know, and actually being able to, if I can feed myself from the land, why shouldn't I feed myself from the land? If I can, if I'm a hunter gatherer, why should I not be able to do that? There's mm. part of me that says, do you know what? Well, yeah, right. Why not? But the truth of the matter is it's poaching yeah. and it's illegal. Yeah. But, but do so, you sort of find when you're working with these people, you almost in your head you're saying, well, the world's changed a little bit um, yeah. <laughs> and you can't, sort of can't behave in that way anymore. Um, and, you know, yeah. and hence I guess some of those sort of occupations have uh, phased out because obviously yeah, uh, it's not, un, you know, uh, apart from like the, you know, the fly uh, tire and stuff like that, but a poacher, obviously, yeah. uh, you know, you always hear about poachers in Africa and that. You don't really hear about poachers so much in the UK, do you? Mm. So that's no, that's definitely. One. And, and the quite- gillies, you know, the people that are supposed to really, um, you know, protect the river, you know, they're not really supposed to, um, you know, they're supposed to keep the poachers at bay. Mm. So that's, that's, again, like a job that really, again, is changing by the amount of people that, um, you know, the, so he can only do an amount of work per what's 
are obviously going to be continuing poachers. I mean, you could even argue perhaps there'll be even more poachers, you know, when you think about how money is kind of tight. But then equally, you know, the salmon in the river has completely declined. And then yeah. people will say, well, that's for a, num- a number of different reasons. So it's um, interesting. Apart, this, apart, from, apart from the guy um, who's got the trophies on his wall, what, what about uh, sort of other people yeah. in that environment? What sort of uh, who, what sort of other stories did you have from other people around there? Yeah, so we would have, um, you know, a little lady called Janet Priyidi, and she stood probably no more than four foot tall, very, very um, small little lady. But, you know, with her, her pride, when I went into her house, you know, her house was painted literally gold. And wow. so she had uh, the portrait of all her family on the wall um, over the generations and had such pride in, in every part of her family business, which was basically um, her family would have rowing boats and take all the... Yep. Yeah, so their fa- their fam- her family would take people over the river in a rowing boat. Um, and, you know, basically she was so short that she would have blocks tied to her feet <laughs> so she could actually row across the river. Wow. Oh, um, bless her. Sounds like me. <laughs> so she's so beautiful. Why you say so short she had blocks tied to her feet because they had other plans for her? So That's why I, that's <laughs> why I wear the shoes that I wear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to find you a new job, Esther. Yeah. Yeah. Rowing boat. Just get me a couple of breeze blocks. I'll be fine. <laughs> what, what, gear, what gear were you shooting with there, Emma? What kit did you use? What was in the bag? So, yeah, so that was G9 um, and pretty much, you know, the good old Noctocron, um, was it 42.5? Yeah, yeah. It, it, explain the Noctocron because a lot of people here are talking about it. Um, Esther uses yeah. it, I use it and it's a fantastic lens. People hear Noctocron, yeah. what is it? What's so great about this lens? And I think, yeah. you know, you as a portrait photographer, phone Ross, excuse me. Yes, there's just, always yeah. one. Um, it was a cricket, actually. Um, <laughs> but uh, we hear us a lot of talking about the Noctocron, and it's, uh, it's a micro four-thirds lens. Yeah. It's a beautiful portrait lens, but uh, tell us your thoughts on it. Yeah, it's a game-changing it. lens. For me, it's yeah. a game-changing lens. It, I don't know. It has um, it has um, a very beautiful um, um, tonal quality to it that I think, I mean, I'm sure that all the lenses have a similar, sim- similar tonal quality to it i think it's a game-changing lens in your bag i think in terms of a portrait lens it is like um a a beautiful a good art lens a good a good you know one of the best lenses really Mm. of a full frame of any full frame kit um and i think they say with the s i haven't tried it but the s1r there's the 50 mil lens that goes with the s1r and i think you know people are saying well that's like the new notchcon that's got the same i haven't tried it actually but you know i am a primes lover um i come from a documentary background Mm. Same. And yep. changing lenses for me is like actually that's just what you do. I ha- I have two G nines and I just work that way. Um, I don't know. I think to be honest, I think it's like any type of photographer or worker. You know, you have your favorite, basically your favorite things in your bag, your favorite go tos, and the Noctcon for me is just it pulls, it delivers off every time a beautiful portrait. You know, and, and if it means moving your feet around a bit more, then to get that bit in saying that that picture yeah, that exactly. I took of, yeah. of um, I think the Gilly poacher um with all the um different heads on the wall of the all the different animals you know what um that was shot i think on the 8 to 18 and that to me is a, a fantastic go-to lens now for me because it you know it goes down to 2.8 i just love that lens too because you know you can get that all that information in there mm. and now i'm shooting the next project which has kind of come off the back of river voices which is this gwent living levels so that we're now shooting all the lives again that are underneath the seven bridge basically oh, amazing. So, you know, when you drive over the seven bridge 
and you look down um, and you look down underneath and there's there's basically all the mud flats underneath and people always look down and think, oh, I wonder who could possibly live down there. And it's the same thing. So I'm, I'm out shooting uh, the Black Rock Lava Fisherman. And again, to get that shot of the Seven Bridge above, which is the view that people look down and wonder yeah. about those yeah. lives beneath, you know, you have to have that iconic bridge in the shot with yeah. the portrait. Because you you've got to give that. some idea of scale and et cetera as well. And the story is about the and, story, isn't and, it? And telling the story oh. of that community as well, isn't it? So it is a whole community. Oh, completely. And then, I mean, again, amazing people. So literally they, they fish as soon as the estuary drains, basically, is that they essentially go in and, and fish whatever fish are basically being drained in and out of that estuary. And as the, as the water comes in, they do the same. But they've got literally, the, the estuary um, fills up in 40 miles an hour. So, <laughs> you know, it's a, da- da- it's a dangerous spot yeah, to work in. Flies and, in. Mm. Absolutely flies yeah. in. Yeah. And it's down there. I mean, you've got to pick your time to go because they're continuously asked by famous photographers, different photographers, to go and shoot them because the way they fish is... is is, again last of its kind and the environmental agency are trying to shut them down because they're saying well it has an impact on um, the fishing stocks well it's crazy because they fish literally with one fishing net <laughs> like a child you know like a child with a fishing net it doesn't make sense yeah um, but that's why the last of the kind things, and it's really important as photographers that we, um, and I feel very passionate about it, that we um, are story makers to these events. Yeah. Um, and that's, It's a privilege, that's, isn't it, to be a part of something oh, like that? Yeah, Completely. So. Yeah. Uh, but going back to those years when you actually got that interest in photography, Emma, what, what yeah. sort of pulled you into photography? What, what, pull- what Yeah, what, what was the starting point when you sort of wanted to just jump in, grab by the horns and, and you know, go um, for it? So I the first project I took on was the closure of the, um, which is quite a, quite a, a weird and a bit of a, <laughs> a nasty project, but the uh, the closure of the small farm abattoirs back in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. Not for the weak-hearted. Not for the weak-hearted. It was oh. horrendous, really, oh. back in the day, because they killed animals in a different way back then. It was fairly brutal um, compared to how that happens now and as a commercial photographer i actually um shoot in a a, basically a chicken factory which slaughters about a million chickens a day and the way that killing methods has changed is unbelievable i mean whether you agree or disagree with with meat on a commercial scale what happened is that back in the early 90s or 80s 90s you know they killed one animal an hour and now you're talking about a million animals a day i mean it's just a completely different and you would think well the grossness scale would have actually basically got worse Mm. i would argue actually the one-to-one is possibly worse to be honest because you feel that lengthened connection with that animal whereas when they go through so quickly it's like oh yeah it's just another it's it's a a subject isn't it it's production line isn't it (laughs) yeah 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 and i don't think um I think, as, again, as photographers, I think that sort of early training of, so I, I would do that. And then I was in Marseille and we there was, you know, photographing riots down there and all sorts of different things that genuinely regularly happened yeah. in France at that time. Gosh, um, so that's that real sort of, that gives you a really good background for what you're doing now with, with, the, uh, with the book. And um, Oh, definitely, definitely. And it is that having that complete, um, pa- you know, that passion really uh, um, to, to just... And 
I think that's why Marsha um, probably likes working with me is that I kind of go at it like a journalist. So mm. when she gives me, you know, just the number and then she doesn't really say a lot, a lot else really about what I'm walking into. And I just have to, it just has to, I find, see it as I find it, but that's the best way because otherwise I think if she gave me too much information, I may shoot it as I'm told, if you know what I mean, rather than as I find it. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. Yeah. So um, what are, have you got any sort of projects like that sort of moving forward as well? I mean, you said you're doing the one with the, under the seven bridge. I mean, that's, yeah. it sounds like it's sort of uh, snowballing. Um, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. I mean, that's that's really exciting. I mean, from our perspective, I think from Marsha's perspective, we would have really liked to do, because we really felt that River Voices has got further legs mm. than the book that it's mm. in, you know, and we really wanted to go a bit further with that. Um, so we're still looking really for um, really a pickup from River Voices to, you know, to do the second yeah. version of yeah. that. And did you say um, the other day, when I saw you that um, those images are being uh, exhibited at um, yeah the so this is so um, in so Cardiff excellent yeah so River Voices ended up obviously being the book and we're looking for some further really funding for that to go on because we every person you meet you know there's extra work in there there's extra books I mean every person you meet is a book and a series mm. and a, a basically thing and then basically we got recommissioned to do Gwent, um, Gwent Living Levels um, and that's a separate project and that's funded again by Heritage Lottery um, and the Live Levels uh, funding as well and so those images will be hung um, in the the Welsh Assembly, which is the Parliament building, as well as the Cardiff National Gallery. So, and and then they've got various exhibitions as well that those are going into in between. Um, so those pictures have to be enormous. So yeah. I'm shooting on the S1R for that, and I'm actually using an adapter with um, with again a fixed Leica lens on the front of that. I think it's an 80, or I've got an 80 and a 35. But again, I'm really enjoying going back to you know real using that um, that bigger camera. But actually going back and putting um sort of an original take on it by using manual lenses on there yeah. right um i love i love the 28 to um i think it's, is it one, 150 i think that comes with 28 to 150 is it or 120 uh, can't remember 105 105 thanks for that yeah, yeah. 24 105 <laughs> so, f4 that's it yeah so i mean i'm enjoying that i'm enjoying that as well as in using that commercially I like but that. i'm you know when i'm when i'm printing that big which it will be a hanging from the ceiling in the welsh assembly hanging down you know, I'm wanting for them all to just have, um, you know, that that complete wow factor, which they they will. Yeah, they will. yeah, yeah. you've got to pop their eyes out. You well, really they have, have the wow factor already, yeah. don't they? But you know, Thank to you. have them, um, you know, that large <laughs> hanging. Oh. But, I mean, your your commercial work's incredibly diverse. I mean, you, you've you've done the books, yeah. and then you you do a lot with uh, hair salons as well, don't you? <clears throat> Around the, your sort of area, you sort of. I just had to work out, try and work yeah. out what you said then. Yeah. Hair salons. Yeah, salons. Hair salons. I was like, what's a hair salon? I thought it was like a lens maker or something. Hair <laughs> yeah. salon. Oh, he's got the, he's got the new hair salon. Hair salon. And my translator's that's coming in. Irish, that's the Irish coming Hair salon. So, yeah, it's interesting because, again, like all these different, you know, the pressure, the diversity and the pressures that you put under. I mean, obviously, I'm originally a documentary photographer. And it makes me sort of my it makes myself smile the, the different jobs I'm kind of asked to do mm. now because this kind of backgrounds my businesses or I say it is, you know, telling your story. It's a lot the same as press work because, you know, you are telling somebody's story every time you go into a job for a newspaper. So yeah. I do my commercial work. Um, I feel very much the same but I feel very privileged that 
you know, when somebody asks like Herby Jones, you know, asked me to do their L'Oreal shoot pictures. Um, and you, I know you do a lot of portrait work yourself, Ross, so you must understand this as well. But, you know, to suddenly have to kind of really push my craft actually in a direction which um, I wouldn't say like studio work. I wouldn't say it's as in my bones as um as you know as in i didn't start in studio i mean certainly had training in studio sort of back in the art days in fact very intensive training back then so it's, but you know what it's really nice as a coming from an art a very art school background it's mm. been really nice to revisit that part of me and i think a lot of my work even in studio is derived from an art school mentality and even i think when i give my talk talks i'm always kind of coming from an art school kind Kind of or yeah. a location way of thinking with light because even though i'm in the studio it studio lights don't sit comfortably to me unless they replicate natural light yeah yeah you i mean that, that i guess that's quite you you said you've had some training but having that documentary background and, and being in the studio you tend to sort of put in your own sort of look to it rather than going okay i must follow these rules because you want to have that, that style to it yeah which, and it works that? <laughs> yeah, but that's that's what's lovely about you. You do you always tend to go back to the you know the bring it back to the art side, yeah. don't you? Um, and I think yeah. it's really interesting because it's almost going back to basics, isn't it? You know, you're talking yeah. about you talk about Rembrandt light, lighting, etc. Yeah. And it, it's just it is just back to basics um, and keeping yeah. it simple as you can. Definitely. I mean, I always I think it is really good to honour obviously conventions that are out there. But then for me, you know, I have to always break it down and say, do you know what? These conventions and rules, obviously, they're important. But at the end of the day, who are we as artists or even practitioners if mm. we can't actually bend these rules that we're all given? I mean, even as a documentary worker, I mean, God, that if there isn't if there isn't rules around documentary, well, there are. I mean, you know, in terms of your like your printing should be black on black and white on white. It should be like really hard printed. Back in the day, it would have documentary ages on everything. But even then, like you know, when you go to a studio and then you look at that original lighting, and then you say, well, actually, it's all right going Rembrandt lighting, but you know what? Actually, Rembrandt didn't have a, a a studio light mm. he had a window light yeah. Yeah. and that's that's to me is really important is to go back and say do you know what and then when we look at um butterfly lighting and then you know i think i was saying in a talk i gave the other day it's just saying well actually where did that come from that's like a chicken and egg situation it's like did it come from you know when you had your flash in the air and it was full of you know i don't know what it's gunpowder it wasn't gunpowder um but you know powder and then it banged off and you were trying not to get your your head blown off by your own flash you know like that would have cast that sort of 90 1920s light across with the shadow below the nose yeah you know that butterfly yeah. shadow and it's a little case well where did this even come from you know where did a butterfly lighting come from and i know when we're going back to filmic sets and again the big light would have been high and then therefore that shadow would have been cast yeah. so i understand obviously where it's come from but to some extent it's like everybody chill out a little bit yeah 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 i mean but again inspired by those techniques but you know you can Definitely. adapt them a little bit um yeah. i think um uh, and, and you do a when, great job that, when, when all people sort of look at different lighting and things um i think like again it goes back to keeping someone's style um that's yeah. really important too so um no, that, that, that's key yeah, yeah, like yeah. You, you with your portraiture too matt you I mean you you love a good yeah a good light yeah i love using just one light i like things that yeah. look as if they've not been flashed the people yeah, just say oh my god that's lovely light but they won't look at it and think it's been flashed we've just been doing some yeah. flash work actually in the back garden with, we have um, 
Yeah, with so, uh, sorry. We'll She's put those yeah. results up later so yeah. you can oh, you that'd check, be great to check see. out uh, the Talking Shot Facebook page. Yeah. And I was going to say, because even Esther's, um, Esther's work with, particularly actually I've seen your wedding work as well, Esther, but, you know, again, it has a very Huey, beautiful feel to it. And again, with your food work in particular, you know, you don't have this. You always have very subtle colours. Yeah. You know, and it's that feeling that, you know, again, with, with a lot of commercial work, everything, it's almost as if it's competitive colour powering out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that and phrase, like, colour powering. I like that. It is. It's like you have yeah. to. No, we were, like we were funnily enough, like, just before we, we did this with you, we were talking about, you know, interestingly, we're saying if if all three of us edited a photograph, we'd all yeah. come out with something completely different because I am very much a kind of, I like that slightly faded colour yeah. look, the slightly softer, whereas Ross had done an edit and it was slightly more pushed colour and yeah. Matt's was kind of in between us both. Um, yeah. But it's, it's interesting, isn't it, how we all see differently and how we have that kind mm. of preference. Mm. Definitely, definitely. Oh, it's fascinating. I mean, and I think as well, the, it's interesting looking at like conventions of what comes out and I think if you look at how different groups sort of see or accept photography a certain way I think going forward as commercial photographers or any photographer to be honest it's like to what extent do you dip into the convention in order for your work to basically be of conventional retail value if you know what I mean that's an interest it always interests me and and then how much do you basically stay with your own um your own yeah. style um, i think it, it lets as consumers and we've talked about it before on the show is that we're yeah. incredibly spoiled as consumers yeah. because all the manufacturers are competing highly against each other which is great so we yeah. get such a good choice as our consumers yep. we're having fantastic technology sort of thrown at us as well so mm. Um, and yeah. our jobs and stuff and and uh, photography is so much more affordable now than it used to be uh, that's yeah. for sure um but that's that's gosh that's a whole nother talk altogether I know. <laughs> <laughs> but hey emma it's it's been absolutely amazing talking to you today and just getting a brief Thank insight you. into working with um yeah. people who you, you wouldn't meet every day so to speak is it and um oh definitely but uh no thanks a lot and um i'm sure we'll have you back on the show again so, absolutely uh, yeah um, definitely check out emma dribble um on all her social media things we'll uh, also put a dis- uh, her details down in the uh, description so you can click on those and you can get a direct <laughs> link into emma there but yeah yeah thanks a lot emma and we'll catch you thank soon you. Cheers, thanks emma, emma. thank bye. you bye <laughs>